It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. In the program this week, we talk to outgoing all-black Sonny Bill Williams about leaving New Zealand rugby and the black jersey. We catch up with Otago's new provincial rugby coach, former all-black Tony Brown, to discuss the future of the bailed-out union. We speak to the Silver Ferns coach, Waiato Monu, ahead of the international netball season. And we discuss the departure of two high-profile figures from the Warriors and New Zealand Rugby League. Sonny Bill Williams will play potentially his last ever game in an All Blacks jersey this Saturday night when New Zealand take on the Wallabies in the second Bledisloe Cup test at Eden Park. The second five will leave after the weekend's clash for a short stint in Japanese rugby before returning to Rugby League's NRL in 2013. Williams had his last session with the New Zealand media at the All Blacks team naming and talked about his mixed emotions on leaving the game he's learned to love. Hopefully not forever. But yeah, it is pretty emotional, I guess. But um, just like with the Chiefs, I have to put all that to one side and um, just con- really concentrate on what I what I do best. And then I know if I do that, I'll look look back on it with uh, some with better memories and fond memories and, and things like that. So the motivation, obviously, you, you get to do it in front of your your hometown. Um, motivation clearly not an issue for you this week at all. Yeah, not not really a, an issue, I guess. Um, yeah, like you said, in front of uh, in my hometown, in front of friends and family, so I had to get a few extra tickets. Um, but yeah, I just want to put out a performance that you know, not just myself, but my family and friends are proud of. And, you know, just I guess uh, one thing when I come into the squad, Jerome Carno said, you know, when you wear that jersey, it's never yours. You just you're just the caretaker of it, but you want to leave it better than better off than when you got it. So that's probably definitely what I want to try and do. Hopefully I can do that this week. You and Quaid are good mates on Twitter. Has he flicked you anything this morning saying, see you on Saturday night, mate? Yeah, oh, I've, I, um, um, I kind of knew that he would be playing. <laughs> but uh, we're in touch with him a bit. He's a good, he's a good man, you know, and I think uh, he's a bit like me in the sense where a lot of people have already made their minds up, I guess, to not like you. But, um, you know, I know what, I know what his values are, like, especially family-wise and things like that, so he's a good guy, a um, good mate to have. And, uh, um, you know, we chat occasionally, but, you know, when it gets on that field, I know that he'll be looking to play well and, uh, you know, bring the Wallabies home and, oh, and vice versa. So. What do you expect? Is there a bit of a hard time about it at Eden Park and in New Zealand during the World Cup? Uh, I think that, that'll just uh, feed his motivation. Apparently it's going to be a pretty good, good night weather-wise, so I think we just have to... Nulla, try and nullify their counter-attack as much as we can. But um, with guys like him and, and Diggers and uh, even Kirtley Bill, you know, it's probably not so much that you can do. You can't really shut them out of the game um, full stop. You know, you just got to try and limit what they do. And I think that just comes down to us getting our systems right and being on top of our game and having that edge. I think probably the frustrating thing is because we all wanted to get involved and, and help out. But sometimes, you know, you just got to stick to the systems and... Um, just got to play territory and things like that, you know, where if it was up to me and a few of the other boys, we just want to run from everywhere and have a go, get our, balls, our hands on the ball. Um, but, you know, a win's a win. Both teams were rusty, 
but uh, you know we'll be looking to improve on that this week. So fair to say you're fizzing. Yep. Oh, uh, you know both teams are fizzy. You know, it's, we've got one hand on that bladder's low, and I wanna, I wanna get both hands before I leave. So been telling the boys, send me off with a win, brothers. There's not much left that you haven't won. I mean, a World Cup, a uh, Super title. First division of Lotto, we think, so yeah. you haven't won. I, know, I wish. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that, man. Um, but you do just, go out with a lot of trophies, but, you know, a lot of things... I guess, I guess so. It, it, it's just, it's funny. It's it's all kind of just work, you know, work, worked out that way. Um, you know, I always try to just put myself in situations where it brings out the best of me, you know, hence going to the Chiefs and... I don't know, I guess it was, it was just a fairy tale, you know, in the end, coming from nowhere and, and winning that. And then, you know, obviously being down at Canterbury, um, I kind of learned, it was good, you know, being down at Canterbury because I learned a lot about um, about rugby. Um, not just how to play it, but what it what it means to be a rugby player and things like that. Um, you know, ran one, was involved with Ranfilly Shield. And, and, was um, that special, the Ranfilly Shield? Thing? Oh, when I look back at it now, it was, it is. And, that, and that's probably the, the thing I can say about the All Blacks. When I first come into the squad, I felt, definitely felt like I didn't belong here. Um, I didn't know anyone, you know, straight from ITM. I kind of felt like I was out of my depth, you know, and I was still improving as a rugby player. But um, after being involved with it so, for so long, um, you know, after being involved with 20 tests, you know, you really appreciate um, what you have. And now that I understand rugby, um, you know, I've got a lot the utmost respect for it and, and um, I just you kind of look back on it um, definitely happy knowing that you've been able to accomplish what you have. It seems like the way you're talking the way you're playing, like you're, you're right at the peak of your, your rugby form and this is it after this game, do you, do you have a desire to come back and, and be part of this team again? Yeah, definitely, um, but in saying that I don't know what the future holds, you know I think it's it's tough because yeah, a lot of people are hitting me up, why am I leaving, this and that, but you know, three years ago before I come back here, I didn't even know if I could play rugby. I don't know how the future was going to unfold, but it was good to have that security, um, knowing that I had a job, you know, three years' time with, with rugby league. I wish I could probably just say, no, nah, I'll just, I'll just stay, but, you know, I'd, probably three years ago, if I had the chance, I would have probably been, been back in league straight away. But, you know, who knows, I, I came back in, things worked out the way they do, so if things don't work out, over there as, as well as I hope and you know maybe I might be back here but, uh, but you know who, who knows what, what's going to happen so. so given everything that's happened in rugby is it tinged with a bit of sadness this week yeah for sure for sure um, especially leaving leaving you know I, I kind of felt like I found my home down in, in Hamilton I was uh, kind of just outside of Auckland not too far away to get away from to get to see my, my family and then to come see me but uh, and uh, I was really enjoying my rugby, but um, you know, hey, that's life, eh? Uh, man, he's all getting me emotional. I thought we'd be able to trade today. Um, and I said all along that uh, a lot of people might not like me, but um, you know, my soon as, as long as my my mom's happy, uh, my loved ones are happy, and uh, the people, you know, my close friends and that are all good with me, then and my teammates are happy with what I'm doing, then then I'm, I'm all good. So just keep it like that. Sonny Bill Williams. The Blues Super Rugby franchise completed their coaching lineup this week with the announcement that Sir Graham Henry, Mick Byrne and Grant Dury would be joining head coach Sir John Kerwin for the 2013 season. The former All Blacks coach Sir Graham will be in charge of the Blues defence while Byrne, the current All Blacks skills coach, will manage the forwards and Dury, who coached alongside Sir John in Italy and Japan, will run the back line. Dury is the unknown quantity amongst the four charged with rescuing the ailing Blues and I spoke to him about his background and what 
what he brings to the coaching team. My background's um, initially I was involved in rugby league. So I've, I've come from a traditional rugby league background. Early 90s, like a lot of rugby league coaches, we, I switched across because of a, a defensive uh, need in, in rugby union that was in France. And uh, a year after that, I did that, I switched to rugby league, uh, sorry, to rugby union. I was um, contacted by John to work with him with Italy in the 2003 World Cup. So my, my relationship with John goes back quite a way. Um, I've had seven years working with John closely and I've had three years um, outside that environment working in France in between time. So, yeah, that's basically my, my background. And what do you enjoy about working alongside of John Koo? And we don't know a lot about his coaching style here in New Zealand as we haven't seen it firsthand. So what, I guess, attracted you to stick around with him and can you tell us a little bit about his way of doing things? I, mean, I, lo- I love John's passion. I love his passion for the, for the game. I love his, he's very passionate in the way he deals with the individuals. And, and I firmly believe in what, he, what he's trying to do as a coach. Um, he's, and I've seen an immense growth in him as well as a coach, so he's con- consistently trying to get better himself. So when you do that as a person, you tend to challenge the people around you to do that yourself. Um, so, I mean, we're very, very excited about coaching with a group with enormous potential. When you started this coaching journey, having played for Manly a long, long time ago, did you think you'd end up at a Super Rugby franchise in New Zealand, albeit? I mean, six weeks ago, I probably didn't think it'd be it had come to fruition. To be fair, um, but as I said, I'm, I've always been willing to step up to an opportunity, and that's what I see this as, an, as a new challenge. It's a very it's a very bright challenge, um, and I think the time's right. The, the time felt right. I think John's John's the right person and I'm, I'm committed to making the Blues successful. There's some massive expectations amongst Blues fans for their franchise and how they perform on the field. Anything less than semi-final appearance will basically be deemed a failure for anyone outside of the organisation looking in. How does that pressure sort of sit with you and obviously it's a challenge you feel you guys are up to? Yeah, I think, I think pressure is something you, you either respond to as in a positive or you react to in a negative. So I think you've got to you get the systems and processes behind all that, you know, behind your selection process, behind your work ethic, behind your player development to make sure that every week when they step on the field they're in their best shape possible to, to perform at that, that potential. If they can do that, you're going to be thereabouts, aren't you? Has John given you an understanding of what that outside pressure might feel like coming to this franchise? No, he probably didn't want to scare me, <laughs> scare me off too much, but um, I mean, I can, ex- I can understand the expectation of Auckland and with a with the development, with the development uh, potential like you have in Auckland in terms of the number of players that you're developing not only for rugby but for rugby league and, and everything. You know, there's immense player potential in this area. So we need to harness that player potential and, and turn that potential into performances. Grant Dury. In some way, the fact that the Otago rugby team will actually get on the field in the ITM Cup this weekend is significant. The union was saved from liquidation earlier this year. In March, the New Zealand Rugby Union, Dunedin City Council and private benefactors stepped in after Otago rugby became insolvent with debts of $2.3 million. They play Northland in the Dunedin Stadium this weekend. Former All Black Tony Brown is now the coach of the side and he told Ian Telfer that it's a bit of an achievement that they're playing. Yeah, I guess so. It is, um, you know, it could have been a whole lot worse and, um, you know, I guess we're very fortunate that a lot of people dug into their pockets and uh, helped the Tiger Rugby out. They say you're going to wear club socks this weekend. Yes, we are. It's um, club day for Tiger Rugby and um, you've got the young kids doing the march pass and so we're going to get in behind that and, and support the club rugby. And is that partly just recognition of the support you've had? 
Yeah, I think so, but I just think it's a good way to sort of go back to grassroots, I guess, a little bit of old school type of thing, you know, and it's, you know, a lot of our boys have made the team from club rugby, so it's great to represent their clubs by doing that. On on the team, um, there's been a bit of discussion about this, hasn't there? Um, one reporter described that the team as a hospital pass for you. Is it as bad as that? No, definitely not. It's, um, you know, pretty refreshing for myself, really, to get a bunch of young guys who are keen to play. You know, I guess there's not a whole lot of expectation from the rest of New Zealand, but, you know, as a team, we've got a high expectation of ourselves. So, you know, for me, there's not a lot of pressure on, and uh, we just want to get out there and perform as well as we can, and we're excited to do it, too. Um, you've commented that you don't have any really big names. Um, is that a problem? Um, we've got a couple of big names coming back. We've got Edith Thompson and Tamari Ellison. So, uh, you know, for me, it's great to have those boys involved, and I'm sure they'll give the rest of my team a lot of confidence. But most of the others have come up come up through rugby, and so what have to prove themselves? Yeah, and, um, you know, that's what playing rugby in New Zealand is all about, is getting the opportunity and going out there and take, making the most of it. Um, you're a bit back to basics this year, aren't you? Grant said you're staying in hostels and, you know, you're um, you're having to do things on a bit tighter budget. Yeah, we've got a couple of um, trips up north, which we will um, stay at uh, a couple of hostels. So, you know, it's um, a little bit back to basics, but I think it'll be enjoyable as well. Does that make it hard for you, though? No, I don't think so. I think most of the guys in my team all live in student flats, so they'll be used to pretty um, the bare essentials accommodation-wise. Uh, what do you think the chances are this year? Um, yeah, uh, I'm pretty optimistic we'll, we'll do well. Um, you know, we've trained pretty well. Pre-season's gone reasonably well for us, and, you know, each game we're getting better and better, and if we can keep improving, you know, I think we'll, we'll be pretty successful. And the stadium itself, is it? Is that how are you feeling about that? Yeah, it's a great place to play, great place to watch. Um, you know, hopefully we can get some good support in there because it's, you know, the atmosphere in there is, is fantastic when there's a good crowd in. So, you know, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, a reasonable crowd and uh, a good day, really. Tony Brown talking to Ian Telfer. And this is Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. The Silver Ferns coach Waiato Monu named her squad to take on Australia next month following a week-long trial in Auckland. There's one new cap in the side with the Mystics' mid-quarter Bailey Mez the surprise inclusion, while there were recalls for Camilla Lees and Jodie Brown. The Trans-Tasman rivals will start the three-game series in Melbourne before returning for games in Auckland and Christchurch. Stephen Hewson spoke to Tomonu and asked her how helpful the trial was. We've lost 188 test caps. Um, from last World Champ mid-court with um, Tema Padaliana and Jolene unavailable. Um, so the idea of trials was to really have a good, a, a detailed and constructive look at, um, at what was around the country in those mid-court um, positions. So that's what we did, and uh, it resulted in 24 quarters being played in two and a half days. So it was a tiring few days. Has there been a trial process like that, of that length in recent times that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of, but um, certainly I do recall those sorts of things happening under Lois Muir. <laughs> so you, you, you're basing it on that? There was some. Uh... No, no, not basing it on that. Basing it on the need for us to have a good look at um, at some unknown midquarters. 
so you would have gone into these trials presumably with a bit of an idea on, on who you might have thought would come through. Has that panned out, or has someone like Bailey Mess come, come through surprisingly? Yes, she was surprising. Um, she was. She grabbed our attention in terms of the results of her physical um, fitness contest, uh, testing results, um, and then continued to grow over the Tuesday and the Wednesday as she got put onto a court with different combinations and in different positions. And so, by the time she earned herself a possible probables um, position on the Wednesday, and then proceeded to really have a lovely connection with Irene from when you take the golf shoot. Um, she had uh, grabbed our attention and then worked away into the team. What was it particularly that, that you liked? Well, she's 186 centimetres tall and it's very difficult to combat in the mid-court. It's, it's unusual um, and she's very athletic. So if you add to 186 centimetres, almost a 60 centimetre standing jump, she's quite hard to get the ball off. Who went close but, but didn't, didn't get there? Who would you might have thought would have come through maybe a bit stronger? I guess the person who's missed the squad entirely is, is Paula Griffin. Um, hasn't had the happiest day in Z, but you know, trials process gave her the chance to really come back and and show her worth. And she was tracking pretty well on the Tuesday, but um, when we were starting to make hard decisions on the Wednesday, uh, she had a game that she probably would want to forget, and and in the end, that was the decision made. Camilla Lees and Jody Brown back. Yes, Camilla um, again from the Pulse. Um, acquitted herself very well. I think she's still learning the wing attack position, but she did a good job in the time that she was um, she was on the court there. And Jodie Brown um, was one of the invitees. Uh, she and I had had a discussion, and um, she was uh, she is interested in interested. She's keen to be available for the long term, so she is looking at the Commonwealth Games in 2014, 2015. But she was a little bit tentative, so the invitation to Triumph was useful in that it gave her the chance to reconnect with the um, Silver Ferns environment and see if she was really wanting to be there and um, ask a chance to see her and, and have a chat to her. And by Tuesday afternoon, she was as excited about being there as we were about the play that she was um, showing. Presumably ahead of this Constellation Cup series, you're going to need to, to work on, on that mid-court and creating, I suppose, a relationship with it. Is that going to be the key? <laughs> and and how do you go about that? Well, we've got um, two weeks of, of um, time together. We'll do a lot of work around um, skill work, unit work, and some strategies. So it'll be about putting all of those things as, as well as we can together in a 10-day period. It's going to be very green-looking mid-court, isn't it? Well, it is, compared to what we've had in the past, yes. But, look, I can't, uh, I can't um, underestimate how excited I am about this lot. There were... Patches of play, and I admit they weren't consistent, but there were patches of play that really were outstanding through um, all of the four mid-quarters we've picked at the moment. Outstanding in what, what aspect? Well, different. Um, as I said, Bailey at 186 centimetres gives you the opportunity to throw very high, very long ball through that mid-court that we haven't been able to do uh, in recent times. Um, some great change of pace and change of footwork from Camilla Lee and some nice early release ball into Irene and all of those things were a little unexpected because none of the mid-court apart from Laura had really played well with had really played with Irene. So we'd expect to see the likes of, of Bailey Mess getting a start? Uh, not immediately. <laughs> That's a big ask for a young girl and a big ask for a new coach. <laughs> but ideally, yes, at some point in this international programme. What do you think the Australians are going to look at when they see that mid-court? Presumably, as inexperienced as, as it is, apart from Laura Langman, that would, look, would be an obvious target, wouldn't it? I would have thought so, um, but I would expect that they would have been thinking that before the trials.
The Silver Ferns will regroup again in a week's time where they will participate in the first of two training camps before the series begins. The Warriors rugby league coach Brian McLennan has been shown the door with a year to run on his contract. McLennan paid the price for the Warriors' dramatic slump in form in the tail end of the NRL season, with the Warriors' supremos deeming it so bad they let him go with two games remaining. The man they call Bluey was devastated by the news, but fronted the media and graciously accepted his fate. I'm obviously very disappointed it hasn't worked out. And I take all responsibility uh, for the results this season. Uh, the, the head coach and, you know, we didn't get across the stripe enough times or stop them from scoring enough time to win some close games, which, which would have, you know, which would have helped our cause. Brian McLennan. Adding to an eventful week for Rugby League in New Zealand, it was announced that the NZRL Chief Executive Jim Doyle will step down from his role at the end of the year. Doyle was appointed to the position of CEO in August 2009 following an extensive independent review of the game in New Zealand. He says it's been a very challenging three years and he feels he's done all he can personally to achieve that. Stephen Hewson asked him about how he originally got involved. I've been in New Zealand for nearly 19 years. Um, I've had season tickets at the Warriors from right from the start, so I really enjoy the sport. You know, I mean, originally from Scotland, I'm sort of soccer. I grew up playing soccer. I'm from a working class background, so I played soccer in Scotland. Uh, I lived in South Africa before coming here and uh, got into more of the rugby. And when I came here, I followed both rugby and obviously league. Um, but I really enjoyed the league. And um, I thought it would be, because it was in such a bad state, I thought it would be really good to be able to go in and make a difference. You know, I had been very fortunate in my business background. I had done really well at Navman, made quite a lot of money. Um, so I was sort of semi-retired for a little while before I came here. Um, it took me sort of four or five months of semi-retirement to get bored. And then when an opportunity came up here, I thought, why not? It's, uh, it'd be nice to go to work and talk about sport every day and put something back in. When you come into a, a sport or, or a company situation like that where everything is... As you mentioned, you, you pretty much felt you couldn't do any worse. Where do you start? You have to try and do a little bit of everything. You know, and it's one of those things in any organisation, to get success, you know, uh, you've got to have income to invest. Unless you're investing and doing things, you're never going to get income. I think New Zealand Rugby League before were in quite a negative spiral. You know, they had lost a lot of income from commercial sponsorship from funders because they had lost all their sort of credibility there was no integrity in the place so we instilled a lot of new values and said that is that we're going to do things but we're going to do it very professionally we're going to do everything we do will do really well and we actually started to implement a few things that we could then take to the commercial market and because we were very professional people initially it took time because they were waiting to see I me mean, my background being business i knew a lot of companies and I went and visited a lot of companies early on, and they said, you know, we really like your plans. We'd love what, you'd like, what you're planning to do, but, you know, come back and see us in a year's time once you've delivered some things rather than just talking about it. And so it took us a while, but once we started to get some traction, that we were gaining some credibility, etc., we did actually therefore re-engage more commercial sponsors. We got more funding coming in from different areas which meant we could do more programs, which then meant we could actually go and get some more commercial sponsors and more funding from other areas and things like that, which we then started to get into the positive spiral rather than in the negative spiral that the organization was in before. And what we're doing now is, you know, 10 times more than we were doing before. Our income, for example, from commercial sponsorship 
Uh, this year is, I think, close to 20 times what it was in 2008, 2009. Was it the fact that the sport had got to its to such a, a low ebb that that was there a realization amongst the, the the stakeholders that something needed to to be done? Because I mean, there's always been a lot of, I suppose, politics like any sport, like anything. But the Auckland clubs have dominated the scene, and and the rest of the country's often felt left out when it comes to, to rugby league. Getting around that issue. Yeah, and I think that was a key thing as well. You know, I mean, the New Zealand Rugby League of the past largely ignored the grassroots and focused on the Kiwis. And what we did is we turned it on its head, really, and said our job is to really support the growth of the game at the grassroots level. And yes, we've got the Kiwis, um, but we need to make sure we focus on the grassroots side of the game rather than just focusing on the high-profile, uh, high-performance side of the game. And um, and that started to change the dynamic. I mean, when I went around the country, there was people from, you know, Manawatu, Taranaki, etc., um, places like that. I said, we we haven't seen anyone here from New Zealand Rugby League for the last two or three years. Mm. When, when I went back again three or four months later, they were stunned. You know, so it was it, it started to create a different environment and a different culture than was there before. So when you talk about bringing the game back to that grassroots level, what does that actually mean? When you say you turn things on your head, how, how did clubs see a difference? Well, what we did is we put together, first and foremost, like a football calendar, a calendar for the whole year. So this is what New Zealand Rugby League is going to do for the whole year. And right at the start of it, so it showed pathways and created things. So right at the start of each year, we introduced what we called our community carnivals. So again, we went to 17 different places from sort of February through to sort of March, early April, and we run a community carnival. You know, we promoted it. We took the Rugby League World Cup with us. We had people like Ruben Wiki, and we run a whole carnival in an area teaching kids, and it was focused on the under-12-year-olds, teaching kids uh, how much fun it is to play rugby league, teaching their parents the fundamentals of rugby league. Lots of mums and dads, particularly mums out there, think that their kid at six, seven, and eight playing rugby league is like state of origin and it's all just a big crash and bash but it's a lot of fun, it's more like touch where the kids get to run with the ball and get engaged, so we went out with a whole concept of revitalising the game and we did that to 17 different places and again we put this calendar up and said this is what we're going to do and we went and done it we then introduced a new national competition uh, for 15, 17s and premieres so what was used to happen before, if you played for an Auckland or Christchurch or Wellington or Waikaro, um, you had a you could you could get represented to football in the national competition. Everywhere outside that, you there was no opportunity. So we restructured the national competition to include seven regional teams. So no matter where you were in the country, if you were good enough, you could play rep football. So we really engaged heavily throughout the year in the community to build the game from the bottom up. And you're running programs like breakfast and schools and things too? That's right, yep. Where, where did that come from? Well, again, see, for me, when I, when I got asked initially if I would be interested in getting involved, you know, my first reaction was, God, what value could I add to rugby league? Um, I, 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 like most people, had read the Sunday newspapers over the years and, and seen how bad it was. Um, but when I did a lot of research and read a lot of the reports, it did hit me that, God, it is more than just a game. It has a big impact on family and community. So for me, I, I, I titled our whole strategic focus more than just a game. 
and said it, we don't want it to just be a slogan. Our whole more part is more professional than ever before, um, more respect for ourselves and others, more socially responsible, creating better people, and more community-focused. So everything we do, we always add that more part to it. How can we be more socially responsible? How can we be more community-focused? And again, because of that approach, we've been able to go to various social organizations and say, well, this is what we're trying to achieve. A lot of our kids, obviously, um, particularly Maori and Pacific Island, uh, have got you know, obesity problems or literacy problems, and we've now got books getting introduced into schools about rugby league players and how Benji Marshall trains for a game and all those sorts of things. And all that over the last three years has actually helped us gain the credibility that we're actually making a difference. I mean, as you know, the Kiwis don't play very often. And when they do play, every second year they're up in the UK. So if you're a commercial sponsor, just to get your name on the front of the Kiwi jersey, you don't get the profile on a regular basis. We wanted to increase the amount of money that we were getting in so what we targeted also was companies who also want to be socially responsible and help us create the change that we're trying to create rather than just a company who just wants branding. So what's the next step? You, you've mentioned that you feel as though you've done all you can. There's still a massive amount to be done. I think the reason why I'm sort of stepping down at the end of the year is that the strategic plan that I put together when I started really was from you know, 2010 to 2013, so four years. Um, we're largely done that. And what I've said is that we can't wait till the end of next year and say, okay, that's done, now what's next? Early in this, early next year, we should be looking at what is the next step. And it's really around more continuous improvement rather than about reinventing the game again. It's about continuous improvement. But what we should do is keep doing what we've been doing, create the next strategic plan, but what I've felt is that I'm not going to be here, you know, 2014, 15, 16, 17 type sort of thing. So it, as a CEO, it's always better to come into an organization and actually be part of creating the plan that you then deliver rather than being handed somebody else's plan and being asked to deliver it because you never get the same success because you tend to find people say, oh, well, that's not really what I should have. I wouldn't have done that like this. I would have tried something else. And so... What I wanted to do is make sure that the next cycle is actually the CEO has been part of creating it rather than just being handed it. Do you see yourself staying in sports management? I mean, there's obviously been speculation about NRL, uh, the AFL. Um, certainly not um, going to Australia, uh, certainly at this point in time. I mean, you never say never, but um, hopefully I'm not completely removed from sport. Uh, at this point, I intend to enjoy the summer and play lots of golf and get fit and healthy. And then uh, think about what's next. But hopefully it's a combination of, I mean, I'm still a director of two technology companies and um, I've been asked to be a director of a few others and uh, hopefully I get a good combination of commercial and, and sport and hopefully stay in sport. Jim Doyle talking to Stephen Hewson. And that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website while we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Joe Porter. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.